question. <clears throat> what, what's invisible but you wish people could see? Just a thought for you there. Okay. Uh, if peanut butter wasn't called peanut butter, what would it be called? How do you feel about putting pineapple on pizza? If animals could talk, what animal would be the rudest? A pig. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Now, I'm sure you will agree with me, these are all important questions. And let's move on from the image of a chicken with a machine gun and uh, running into KFC. <laughs> this one's for my family. Um, a whole army of vegans going, yay, chicken, yay, chicken. Sorry, no, let's go back to this um, I'm sure you'll agree with me that these are important questions, and I'm sure you have asked yourself very similar questions like these. What is, you know, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? And uh, maybe you want to write some answers down and send them in on a postcard, um, and we'll have a read with them. Um, they say you will understand people more with the questions that they ask. Uh, that's quite telling, isn't it, sometimes? It's quite telling. And... Uh, and, and what we ask actually dictates what we learn. When we're in a place of learning, what we ask dictates what we learn. And so questions are important. Good teachers know and they encourage students to ask any question. Any question is better than no question, isn't it? Students learn as much by the questions that they ask as, than the information that they're giving, be, being given and receiving. Jesus was known to ask a lot of questions. Sometimes you think, why does he ask those questions when he already knows the answer? But nine times out of ten, Jesus doesn't ask the question to get the answer back. He asks the question for someone else to ponder and think and reflect and to learn. Verse 1 of John 5 says, After this there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. At once the man was healed. He took up his bed and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, the, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? 
And the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. This was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus is equal with God. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Even there, Jesus pops up in a moment. He almost drops a grenade and he goes back. He turns up, he heals a man, he disappears again. He's not right now ready to stand unashamedly, although he is in his conversations, but he's not broadcasting it massively loudly. He's still trying to be a bit of a covert ninja going around, throwing bombs of the the kingdom here, there and everywhere without, but he's still building enemies. And I love this story. And I love this question. Do you want to be healed? I mean, this man is sat next to this pool 38 years, paralysed from birth. And it's a question that's not just given to him, but it's a question that we must answer this morning. To be healed is to be made well. To be made well is to be made whole. To be made whole is to experience the gift of life that Jesus gives that we talked about last week. And it's the life he's granted for us, a life of abundance. And this story takes place at the pool of Bethsaida, a pool famous for its healing. The pool was fed by an underground stream. So you imagine it a bit like a jacuzzi, I imagine, just people just waiting for it to go. And legend had it that this angel would stir up the waters and the first person in the water would be healed. So they would flock around and just wait, wait for the slightest bit of movement. Because of this legend, the pool was famous and people came from all over the land to come and be healed. It was It was a place of hope for anybody, anybody who was ill, but especially for those who were blind or lame or paralyzed. It was the hope of being healed that brought this man to sit next to this pool for 38 years. Every day he came. Maybe when, as a child he was brought along by his parents. Every day he came along and he hoped. He hoped. 38 years of living with hope. He would take his place amongst the other sick people, every single one of them in search of a miracle. They came, they studied, they watched intently for the waters to stir, maybe the slightest bubble or the slightest ripple, and they were in. A few bubbles from the underground spring, a slight breeze, or even the angel giving it a bit of a stir. And as soon as any movement came, they were in a stampede of desperation, all trying to be first in the pool so that they would receive their healing. Then along, quite nonchalant. Is that French, nonchalant? Should be. Sounds French, doesn't it? 
Here comes Jesus just passing by, just walking through and seeing these people. And who knows why he picks this man, but he does. And we already know that what John has told us, that Jesus is the Son of God. We've already read that in our, in our readings. He is the Word made flesh that we read in John 1. And he, he, he is here, here to dwell amongst us. And he sees that lame man. He singles him out. He looks into his soul. And he asks him the most obvious question. The most You could say it's a bit of a dumb question. The man sat next to a pool for 38 years waiting to be healed. And Jesus just asked him, do you want to be healed? And it's a strange question at first. But it's not as a simple question as you may think. See, 38 years this man sat and waited for his moment. His whole life had consisted of one thing, coming to this pool every day in the hope that just once it would be him. If you notice, he doesn't answer the question directly. He doesn't reply back to Jesus straight away the thing that you you think and hope that he would say. Instead, he goes into a bit of an explanation as to why he can never get into the water when the angel stirs it up. No one's helped him so far. He's resigned to the thought of never finding his healing. He is almost beyond and without He's made a way of life just sitting here watching the world go by. Perhaps he's 38 years, he's seen people come and go. And he can tell some stories. Oh, I remember such and such getting healed. I remember so and so getting healed. Maybe he's become a bit of a local celebrity around the town. And he's got used to this way of life. It's become quite comfortable. It's what he knows. It's what he does. 38 years. He's made his own life. He's become used to his condition. And you can imagine him replying to Jesus in many ways. He may say, no thanks, I'm I'm just going to stay here. Quite like it. This is all I know. I know everybody here. I know their stories. They know me. I've been here for 38 years and I know what to expect. And I quite like it, if I'm honest. But like so many times with Jesus, the question that he asks goes deeper than what we first think. The question holds a deeper relevance. Thank you. Do you want to be healed? Do you? Do you? Do you want to be healed? In other words, do you really want to get better or are you content on the way that things are? Do you really want to move and experience life or are you content with the way things are right now? Jesus is not just interested in the man being healed. He's interested in his life changing. Very often God turns up in our life and he does something. But he just doesn't just turn up and then leave. He turns up and he begins a relationship. We encounter him for the first time in one shape, form or the other. And we begin a story of faith with him. Do you want to change? 
Are you content with the way that things are now? Or do you want to see a different life for yourself? Do you want to be healed? Do you really want to get better? Or are you just full of excuses like the man? See, in a moment, Jesus does what the pool was all about. What legend had it that the pool was going to do if you jumped in at the right time? That's what people expected. That's what people hoped for. And in an instant, the living water comes, brings healing. In one word, the living word. One word from Jesus is all it takes. He says, pick up your mattress and walk. Pick up your mattress and walk. He doesn't even speak to the man's condition. He doesn't even speak to the things that have gone on in his life. He doesn't speak to his leg. He doesn't put hands on. He just says, get up, walk, go on, go on. There's no comment on whether the man believed, but he must have because he got up and walked. He listened. He obeyed. He got up and walked. Instantly, life changed. Instantly, his life changes. And that is a physical thing. It's for everybody to see around him. And, you know, the exciting thing is that whenever people listen and respond to Jesus, there is life change. And that's what this is about, seeing people's lives changed, isn't it? That's what we're part of. So we want, we want to see every single week. We want to hear stories of people's lives changing. We want to see people's lives change miraculously. Sometimes the, the miracle happens over 10 years and not in 10 seconds. Do you want to be healed? He finds himself healed. It would have been easier for him to stay next to the pool with all his excuses. But he chooses to get up and walk. He chooses to obey the command. He chooses a harder way of life, but certainly a more satisfying way of life. And it's because of this moment, Jesus gets into trouble. Not for the first time, and it surely won't be the last as we journey through the book of John. Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath. And those Jewish leaders around him, the ones that are all high and mighty, the ones that they think they know and understand the scriptures, think that they have a right to cast judgment on Jesus. How can you do that? How dare you do that? It's the Sabbath. It's a a, a holy day. The assumption was that God rested on the Sabbath, so should they. But Jesus, being Jesus, understands and knows the Sabbath to be different. His sense of time is very different. He lives with different understanding of how we should use our time and how God would have us use our time too. And instead of what others would describe as work, Jesus uses the Sabbath to glorify God and extend grace and mercy to someone in need. In these moments, we begin to see the plot against Jesus. The leaders muttering, how dare he? Who does he think he is? He has no right. The plot begins to stir. But like I said a moment ago, they come to Jesus for one thing. Oh, you've did this on the Sabbath. And Jesus just begins to spurt out the rest of John 5. You can read it. 
And he's going, yeah, in your face. He doesn't go, oh, I'm sorry, I've got things wrong, I'm sorry. He goes, yeah, I did do it on the Sabbath and this is why. Do you know why? I am God. So he goes from healing somebody on the Sabbath for working on the Sabbath. You couldn't do a million things on the Sabbath. This man couldn't pick up his mat on the Sabbath because it was classed as work. You couldn't walk through a field of wheat and pick one bit of wheat because it was classed as work. You couldn't spit on the ground because it was classed as work. You were disrupting the soil. They went to the extreme, such was their legalistic, religious way. They just liked to trap people. Jesus came and turned it all upside down. And he said, yeah, I healed someone on the Sabbath. Why can't I? I'm God. Paraphrased. Makes things a bit worse for himself. But he knows what's happening. He knows who he is and he knows what he's called to do. So he's going to go and do it. No one's going to stop him. Jesus is ready for it. And we read through the book of John how the crowds are always just, oh, who does this Jesus think he is? And he's there and he's standing in front of them and they miss it, they miss it, they miss it time and time again. This man in the pool is healed, set free from his physical setbacks. He's got a new life in front of him, a new adventure, a new test. Would have been easier for him to sit at the pool and do nothing. I've experienced this in my own life and I know that many others have as well at some point we make a decision to change it's easier to stick to the things that you know it's easier to make excuses and continue in a routine of life change takes hard work people don't like change for many reasons I think for me It would have been easier for me to carry on the way that I was living when I was 26. No care in the world, destroying myself, destroying everybody else. But it was easy. It was easy to get up in the morning, sort myself out and carry on, go to bed. The hardest thing that I could have ever done was to jump on a train and go to to a farm in the middle of nowhere and address why I'd ended up the way that I had. I was desperate for change. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was ready. And I said to those people around me that you will never see me again. People knew who I was and they joked, you'll be back in a week. And it's funny because a friend of mine went to rehab a week before me and he was back two days later. And he went, see, you're going to do the same. But I knew I was ready and I knew I wanted change and I knew that I had to do something. I knew I needed to be healed. And this man knew, and he was ready, and he wanted change. So he picked up his mat, and he walked. The hardest thing that he could ever have done was to take on this life. He didn't know what was around the corner, but he wanted the life that Jesus was giving him. Do we fear the cure more than the illness? 
Are we living with excuses? Do we find it easier just to throw another excuse out there and don't have to face a challenge, don't have to face change? Or have we had enough? Change takes work, stress, trials, all kinds of things. Headaches, the lot will rob you of your sleep, will rob you of your joy sometimes. But in the end, it's worth it. Every step of the way. Remember sitting in therapy for six, seven hours, thinking, what am I doing? Just wanting to leave, but knowing I have to go through this to change. Nothing grows in comfort. Most things grow in pain, in trial, in stress, when it's shaken, when it's challenged, when it's stirred up. Are we comfortable where we are? Do we want to respond to the call? Or are we able to respond to the love? When we stop making excuses, when we stop playing the victim, I can't get to the water. I can't get to the water. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I I can't get to the water. No one's going to help me. Someone always gets there before me. When we respond, what Jesus is asking of us. Suddenly, those legs that he heals, they're used to bring us alongside someone else in their pain, in their need. Our arms become able. We're strong enough to embrace the world again and to be there for others, even our enemies. Change isn't always comfortable. Responding to Jesus isn't always comfortable. There is always a cost. There is always a price. And it will be your comfort. We can no longer make excuses. It's something that I lived by. I lived in a place of excuse from the age of nine years old when I started smoking dope up until I was 26 years old and found myself in rehab. I had all the excuses in the world. I had a license to do whatever I wanted to do, up until the point that I went through treatment and left rehab. And then suddenly my life was my own. I was responsible for the life that I was now given, and I had to do something about it. And we can no longer make excuses. Instead, we can walk forward into new life, Serving, healing, hoping, living lives of joy, fullness, knowing God, growing with God. And if we're not careful, we get distracted. It's easy to get distracted in a world that is geared up to distract you. Everything is fashioned to distract you, to rob you of your time, your attention, nine times out of ten, your money too. Everything is geared up to get it off you. And we get distracted, we get discouraged, we get tired, we get hurried, we get hurt. Before you know it, we're full of excuses. We become numb. We become numb to the call of God over our lives. Because actually today, Jesus, I'm too tired or I'm too distracted. We, we don't have, 
I don't have any time and I don't have any energy. We come home after work and we collapse in front of the TV. Maybe fall asleep in front of the TV. We wake up, we go back to bed, we wake up the next day, we go to work. Come home, we sit down, we fall asleep, we get up, we go to bed, get to work, and repeat, and repeat, and repeat, and repeat. All that time that you've been given, time is a privilege. Time is a blessing. You don't know how much of it you've got. He does. And he knows what he wants to do with you, in you, through you. But you have to respond. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to live a full life? Or are you full of excuses? We say we want change. And then actually all we want is to remain the same but feel better about it. That's really what we want if we think about it. We say we want change. And then change happens. We don't want change. We pray for change. God begins to change things. Suddenly we don't want change. I used to like it how it was. I was comfortable. I liked it how it was. Nothing happened. We were all happy. Real change, real growth doesn't need excuses, it needs action. It needs a response. It needs a change of heart. It's fed up of your excuse, change will not exist. To get up and follow Jesus involves us in people's lives in a way sometimes we're uncomfortable with. To be healed, to be whole, is to be connected to God and to his people, to be connected to his creation. It's not about being isolated. It's not about making up excuses. No more living in our own private lives where no one can get to us. To be whole means to be getting involved, to align ourselves and our lives with the kingdom of God. To pay. One writer said, if you're going to follow Christ, you'd better look good on wood. Because that's where you're going to end up. If you want to follow Christ, you better look good on wood. Because that's where you're going to end up. We say we want to live for Christ. And we look at the cost of living for Christ and we choose, no, I'm comfortable. I'm sure if you've been keeping up with the news, you would have seen the pastor very recently killed for his faith. We are so privileged to be where we are, guys. So privileged. But I wonder how many of us would stand up, would stand up and carry that cross where it was harder for us to carry our cross. Sure, we would be strong. But we are in a comfortable place. But there's a cost for us. There's a cost in our time. There's a cost in our relationships. There's a cost for us in many ways that in other areas of the world there isn't. But they have their own wrestles and their own battles and their own persecution. We like to put up flags and go, we're persecuted. No, we're not. We're really not. But if you want to pick up your cross, 
You better look good on wood. Do you want to be healed? Or do you want to be comfortable? It's an adventure. We need to step out of our comfort zone and take a giant leaf of faith into the unknown. Do you want to be healed? A question only you can answer. What do you need to be healed of? What's standing in your way? Are there things that you need to let go of? Are you holding on to anger, grief, resentment, bitterness? Are you missing things of the past? Is it holding you back? Are you holding on to a destructive habit? It's not giving you life, it's just robbing you of it. Whatever is holding you back, whatever you're holding on to, isn't it time to let go? The start of a new year, the best time for some of us to move into something new. Isn't it time to get up and start walking? The man gets up. He walks into his new life, just like that. He doesn't know what's around the corner. He doesn't know what's going to be on the end of the road, but he chooses to respond to Jesus and begins to walk. Do you want to be healed? This is good news. Jesus came so that we could all have life. But it comes at a cost. And the question for all of us, do you want to be healed? Are you going to respond to the call of God over your life? Or are you comfortable? Do you want to be healed? Let's stand.